Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Okay, so if I could send everybody a little text message right now, if you could look down at your phone and see a text message from me, um, it would be those little, like, side side glance googly eyes. They're like, it's an emoji, which I know some of you don't appreciate, but it would be those set of eyes that are, like, looking sideways, and then there would be a heart. So thank you to the person who sent me the sideways eyes with the little heart, um, which is the I see you and I love you message. So, yeah, we are the people... Um, who are the people of a God who sees us and loves us. So if you are looking for that passage of Scripture, if you haven't been in the Word of God today, um, why don't you turn to Genesis chapter 16 and reread the story of Hagar and be reminded that God sees you and God loves you. God sees you. Um, No one is unaccounted for when it comes to God. God sees you and God loves you wherever you are, whatever circumstance you happen to be in. um, If others have rejected you and pushed you out, um, God still sees you. If you are feeling isolated and alone and hopeless, God not only sees you, but loves you. So spend some time in Genesis chapter 16 if you want to be reminded that we worship a God who sees and a God who loves us. All right, maybe my favorite headline of the day. <clears throat> uh, I got I actually, sorry, I have to now I have to find the headline again because I had clicked away to Genesis 16. So maybe my fa- favorite headline of the day, and I am teeing this up because waiting to talk to us right now is Dr. Peter Kapsner. And I feel like, I feel like um, this could possibly be a headline that was directed toward him. So there is a billionaire in uh, in Japan who has a trip planned with SpaceX to uh, fly around the moon. And he had already announced, um, by the way, he's a fashion mogul, which, you know, I feel like is probably right up Dr. Kapsner's uh, road as well. So this is a Japanese fashion mogul. Um, He announced his intention in 2018 to take an entire group of people with him on a six-day trip around the moon. And he has now extended that to uh, include eight, you know, sort of like regular people. Um, And the headline, which I really appreciate, is this. Uh, get in, loser, you're going to the moon. <laughs> so with that, we're going to talk with Dr. Peter Kapsner up next on what he would put in his application to be one of the eight regular people who might get to join uh, the mission to the moon in 2023. Yeah, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. is here. Thank thank goodness, because I have so many headlines to cover with him today. 
Peter, welcome back. Thank you. Where did you dig up this around the moon headline? I have not it's on seen CNN Business. Yet. It's not even it's not even obscure. It's at CNN.com. And if you read the whole article, there's so much in here. Um, you, you could actually I mean, like there's a there's a statement in here. I mean, ultimately what this guy is looking for, which obviously you're not a candidate for in so many ways. Um, he's looking for a life partner. He says, as feelings of loneliness and emptiness slowly begin to surge in upon me, there's really only one thing I think about. Now, this is a bill. This is a this is a guy who like. Like, right. There's really only one thing I think about continuing to love one woman and finding her. There you go. Wow. I know. So the Dear Moon mission is uh, is is the one that you would want to be looking for. Um, I really don't think you're a candidate for it in so many ways. However, there is another billionaire who is offering up uh, a seat on a trip to the moon. Um, His name is Jared um, Isaacman. He apparently is the CEO of uh, a, plat- a payment platform called Shift4, and he is searching for a member of the public to join him on a trip to orbit in a SpaceX Crew Dragon uh, around the moon. And he's doing that uh, to raise money for St. Jude Children's Hospital, which I think is cool. Like, right? This, there you go. Yes, this I would do. I, I would put just about anything on the application to get a seat on, on, on that <laughs> passenger vehicle. I'll tell you what. I mean, I, you said get in loser, I think, before the Get the in break. loser. I'll We're going what. to the moon. That's the headline. Oh. Yeah, my middle name would, would be just L. It'd be Peter L. Capsner, loser. I would sign up. Uh, I even falsify the application with loser as my middle name to get on, on that passenger vehicle. I just, right. to get out of the app, just one time, I'm so compelled by space movies. I don't know about you, but just one time, I want to get out of the atmosphere of Earth and sort of see the expanse of the stars. And, and, and yeah, I would drop anything, Carmen, to get on that ship. Okay, people. Uh, now, we're going to talk with Peter Kapsner about... Um, uh, another headline, why Zoom is boosting sales in men's cosmetics. Uh, <laughs> people are on Zoom a lot, apparently men. Um, I, I'm just going to tell you, I have just decided it doesn't really matter how we look on Zoom, which maybe is completely the wrong approach to take. Um, right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, people are pretty much in their pajamas, at least from the waist down. And um, many of them uh, should have done their hair and didn't. And and makeup, you know, I don't know. We we're, we're worried about lighting and makeup, and uh, yeah, what's going on here? Is this a thing? Is men's cosmetics really a thing? Well, I, gosh, I you know, I would think for some men it might be, and I would say. If I wasn't on a live radio show, Carmen, probably what I would say is I at least to some degree sympathize because you don't you just don't walk around. We've talked about this, right? You don't walk around looking in the mirror every day in, in your relationships mm. and your friendships. And so suddenly the people that you typically would have had a cup of coffee with or maybe gone on a walk with or to an event with, now you're looking at them, but you're also looking at you. And I I would just guess that a lot of people are terribly distracted by what they look like on Zoom and how they're presenting themselves to the other person from a physical standpoint. And and that's always been a thing, right, in terms of the, the culture of plastic surgery and the culture of trying to avoid the wrinkling of the skin, the bagginess of the eyes, the losing of the hair. All, you know, all three of those criteria apply to me at this point for sure. But I appreciate what you said a second ago. We sort of are living in an age in which we believe in the mantra that even as our inner person might be hollowed out day by day, we want our outer person to be renewed day by day somehow. And that and that is the exact opposite of the invitation of Scripture. 
Uh, last I checked, you and I, Paul Perot, our listeners, everybody, we're living in perishable bodies that are meant to fail at the end of the day so we can be raised imperishable. But the great invitation is whether we're being renewed in the inward person day by day, that we're becoming more of what we ultimately will become, that we that we sort of have that foretaste of glory divine in, in the language of the old hymn. But <clears throat> it's, it is challenging when you're looking at yourself in the mirror in the midst of our own frailties and our insecurities to see yourself. I'll tell you what, when I sit down with my barber uh, every other week or so, and he spins me around in that chair in the mirror, and I think, wow, when did I get that much skin under my eyes? I have absolutely no idea when that part happened. And, and I mean, my hair fell out when I was 17, so that's been <laughs> quite some time. Okay, but so it, see, so wait, so wait, so, so we have to pause because now yeah. people are asking themselves, um, he's been bald, like, forever. Why oh, is he forever. going to the barber? <laughs> well, see, what that, are you doing? Gonna, no, there's some what? cognitive dissonance there. That's a fair question. What, <laughs> I, what I, is I have going just, on? <laughs> well, in the journey to the bald head, you know, I, I went from like the number two on the on the clipper to the number one on the clipper to the open guard on the clipper until I found somebody that was willing to just shave it all the way clear. And during the pandemic, oh boy, Carmen, um, let's just say that it didn't end well when I was shaving the back of my own head uh, to make it bald. I can't tell you the number of, uh, of gotchas, as it were, that I had from the razor to use an old 1970s commercial where... The, the razor pierces the skin, and, and I was just not talented mm. enough. I can't cut in a straight line. I literally can't cut in a straight line. I can't shave the back of my head. So I do go to the barber to keep it nice and, and smooth and Shekinah glory, all of that. <clears throat> um, I feel like the world might be in need of a book by Peter Kapsner that's just entitled, I Can't Shave the Back of My Own Head. <laughs> it because was I feel like that would, be, that would be a series of conversations worth having on a coffee table. <laughs> I, I don't know, you're know not how... probably looking for a book title, but yeah, please yeah, write that I, one. I think that'd be fair, you know, and, and I think there's some some lessons that we could learn. Right. I mean, it was it was uneven ground on the back of my head. The, the <laughs> contours were not favorable to a smooth shave. And, and I'm sure you are the kind of person that if I gave you that kind of fodder, Carmen, you would be able to take that and run that with all kinds of spiritual and relational application. All right. We have a listener, um, uh, Melania. Uh, Melania wants to affirm, um, uh, Dr. Kapsner, um, you will, in fact, one day get out of Earth's atmosphere. Oh, see, that it's just so exciting. The Peliandria mm -hmm. series from C.S. Lewis back in the, when, when they traveled outside of Earth, that was always so compelling. So thank you for the encouragement, because I just... Yeah, I, I think that if an infinite God created an infinite playground where he could infinitely unfold in his wonder and his glory, just, just think about what the future holds for us post this sort of little teeny orb on which we are walking right now and, and what we all have in front of us in terms of exploring the beautiful expanse of the stars that, that God has created. I'm really looking forward to that. All right, next up, when we come back from a very brief break, uh, Dr. Kapser and I are going to talk about thruples. Yes, you heard that right. Thruples. That's uh, a couple of three, which doesn't make uh, really linguistic sense. Um, we're going to talk about thruples being back in the news and how how could this possibly already be old news? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Listeners checking in uh, today on the text line. Thank you so much. You can always text me during the show. Um, many of you like to do that when Peter is on, so I totally appreciate that. 877-933-2484. Uh, a listener in uh, in response and reaction to our conversation about um, how we look on Zoom calls and elsewise uh, and otherwise says, um, hey, you know, this is actually concern for neighbor. Be kind to those who have to look at you, which is why I do radio, and so do you. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, there you go. All right. So, Peter, um, thruples are back in the news, um, uh, which and the fact that this is already old news is maybe worthy of our attention. What's going on here? Yeah, there's I, I think just to address the old news part of it first, <clears throat> it is it's something you and I have discussed uh, several times in the past, how the shocking becomes normal. Right. There, there's sort of a new sociological reality that gets introduced in our society from a variety of different reasons, from a variety of different angles. And and we sort of look at it and say, wow, we've never thought of that before. It's, it's crazy. It breaks all the norms. It's not something that I'm used to. And how quickly that becomes old news these days is, <clears throat> excuse me, I think scary on a number of levels. And I just, I, I use the old TV show Friends for this quite often, that when that show first came on TV, it was absolutely scandalous. It, it was the things that they were talking about, the languages that they were using related to our sexuality was something that was breaking every social rule of the day. And you look back at that now, Carmen, and it is just sort of this tame, almost campy show in a lot of ways compared to where we are. And, and it speaks to, I think, the destructive power of sin in the way that it blinds us to that which is true. And so we sort of heap lie upon lie upon lie upon lie <clears throat> for generations, and it gets really tricky than to try to uh, uncover the truth. And so uh, uh, what a thruple is, is a, is a three-parent household. And in this case, that's back in the news, it is three men who are the three parents. And they're sort of in their own <clears throat> thinking, embracing this role of one of them is sort of the, the person who is really good at, at having fun baths for their child. One of them is really good at building the forts. One of them is really good at bedtime stories. And they're kind of settling into these three roles in this, I, I suppose, romantic relationship uh, of some kind. And I think <clears throat> what was so interesting about it was, uh, to me, even talking about their journey to have a child and how many failed in vitro fertilization attempts they had, how much money they had to spend, how many contracts they had to engage with with the mothers. And, and it just... You think, well, gosh, they got a family out of it, right? Shouldn't that be great? Except that the breakdown of the family that has been resulting from all of these different versions of family, and especially from Scripture, if we had more time, we would get into why God created it as male and female, why why Genesis 1 and 2 is the the, the rationale for having family. What What is it about <clears throat> female that makes the female female? What is it about male that makes the male male? And that is different and unique from one another and is required for the shepherding of our kids into the future. And how do we how do we think about those things? We would just need hours. I do those, this in my class to try to unwind why that is. But in, in this particular case, <clears throat> there doesn't seem to be any trouble until you begin to see where we are in the fabric of our society, embracing all of these different versions of family over these last maybe 30 or 40 years. And there is this inverse relationship that the more that we embrace things outside of God's kingdom design, then the less sort of shalom and peace and flourishing we're going to have in this world. And that's just the case for anything. It, 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 it doesn't have to be family related, but the breakdown of the society 
is a direct result of the breakdown of the shepherds, that the, that the stewards, the male and the female of the future, that they have been fractured starting with divorce culture in the 1970s. And then just in even all the gender blurring and, and all of our re, we're redefining everything. It really, I think that's what we're going to be on the lookout for. It may seem great in the moment and they may seem to be having this happy life, but anything that's inconsistent with God's kingdom is going to lead to the breakdown of stuff. And and so we'll look back, I think, a few generations from now, and even though it's old news and it's like, well, isn't that nice and sweet and aren't they having a good relationship? Why don't we, we need to lift our eyes and see what's going on in our society today and, and wonder about the origin of that. And maybe it's not as much about political policy and maybe it's not as much uh, about whether we have cell phones or not cell phones and those things matter. But maybe the heart of the stewards, the male and the female that are meant to be side by side in all walks of life, stewarding the future together a la Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, maybe the heart of our breakdown is the fracture of uh, of the image bearers that God has put on this earth. And so I'll just go back to it one more time. It all may look good on the outside to a lot of people and say, hey, they're celebrating love and family in all these ways. But but I think a, a fair-minded look at the world around us would suggest that things are, are fraying in pretty substantial ways. So the story is worthy of our attention um, as Christians for a number of reasons. And for those of you who are um, pushing back and saying this is not becoming normal, these are, you know, these are one-offs, um, I would just direct you to um, HGTV's House Hunters series, which now features yeah. um, a, a thruple, a family that has three polyamorous adults. Um, pretty sure. much Charming. once for it's sure. in an HGTV show, it's pretty much considered normal. Like that, that they're not featuring that because it's abnormal. They're featuring it because it's already at some level normalized in the couple uh, in the in the culture. Um, these are in this case uh, two doctors, and um, all of these three people are described as polyamorous partners. Um, they are listed as parents on the birth certificates of now two different children, and the reason that it is back in the news is because one of them has written a book about um, their experience of. Uh, surrogacy and legal challenges. And um, and let's just be quick to point out, they needed not just one woman, but actually several women to willingly participate uh, in, in bringing these children into the world who are now being raised by three people who they all, who they understand and describe as their parents, um, as their dads, which is an impossibility. And so the yeah, language is, is confused. And we now have a three-year-old who in her preschool is shaming other kids because they only have two parents. So just to just to let everybody know where this is headed, uh, that's what's going on. Okay, you and I have one minute, and I have an assignment to send you off to class with. Love it. Okay. Um, apparently, the piercing pagoda um, is a booming business in malls across America. I'm going to need a report from your students about what's happening Apparently, in malls at piercing pagodas, not just piercing ears anymore, piercing all kinds of things out there in the middle of the mall. Um, and apparently, uh, the tattoo industry is also booming. And I want to know about temporary tattoos featuring scripture verses that are designed to uh, speak into the mental health crisis of kids today. So can you Done. ask Absolutely. your students about those two things? All right. My uh, Peter Kapsner is, is off to class. March 4th, young man. March 4th. I love the bagpipes. Thank you so much. I can hear them in the background, Carmen. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break for Breakpoint.
All right, I know that as a Christian, you want your faith to engage the culture, um, but sometimes we, we just wonder, like, how do we do that? Pastor Alfonso Espinoza joins me next to talk about perspective, people, and place, and frankly, just how easy it is to get out there and engage the culture as people of faith. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Locato. Does a branch ever release the vine? Only at the risk of death. Would you say the branch is vine dependent? I would. How well do you pass the vine test? Do you ever release yourself from the love of Christ? Do you ever go unnourished? Do so at a certain risk of a parched heart. From the file entitled, It Ain't Gonna Happen, I pull and pose this suggestion. Let's make Christ's command a federal law. No person may walk out into the world to begin the day until he or she has stood beneath the cross to receive God's love. Wild idea, I agree. God's love cannot be legislated, but it can be chosen. For Christ's sake and yours, choose it. The prayer is as powerful as it is simple. Lord, I receive your love. Nothing can separate me today from your love. This is Max Locato. with us today, Dr. Alfonso Espinosa. Um, he is joining us about his most recent book, Faith That Engages the Culture. And we're going to encourage you to find him on Facebook at Pastor AOE. Alfonso, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it's so great to be on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, it's fun to talk with you. Engaging, uh, engaging culture and the way that our faith engages the culture is definitely a point of interest to each and every one of us as Christians today. Um, I, one of the things I just genuinely appreciated is that the, the way um, you describe sort of like what God's doing in terms of the people we in, who intersect with us in our life. So this is a calling for everyone. Culture engagement is not like something that, you know, only pastors or seminary professors or something are supposed to do. This is really a calling for everyone. It really is. I mean, Christians are identified in God's precious word as royal priests. Every single Christian is to be salt and light in the world. So a royal priest is getting, is out there between God and the other person. And we're light, we're salt. So we are doing ministry as his people, as quote-unquote everyday Christians. And this is a great way to think about doing it in terms of engagement. It's not like this fancy-dancy outline you have to memorize that puts pressure on people. Like they give the right presentation. But just as Christians love the Word of Christ and get into the Word of God, we have the honor and privilege to get into the lives of people, to love people like we're commanded to love people, to do it joyfully. And when we do that, we see that unique person in front of us, and we just start, start to have a dialogue. We just start to love them. We just start to give them a genuine attention and care. And guess what? The Holy Spirit takes over and gives us an opening to share the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And what really empowers us is 1 Peter 3.15, but honor Christ in your hearts as holy and always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect we get to live out 1 Peter 3.15 as God's people. 
Well, so I'm, I'm so glad you point to that verse. I mean, obviously, it is, um, it, it's a critical point of conversation in terms of my living in such a way that I'm really prepared to have a conversation at any point in time with any person along life's way under any set of circumstances to bring the gospel to bear. Like engaging culture is really about a, uh, a preparedness to talk with other people at every point along the way um, about the reality of God and, um, and his availability and influence. You, uh, you provide this very excellent tool. You, you call it the engagement triangle. Tell us about that. Yeah, thank you, Carmen, very much for saying that. Yeah, I wanted to give a, a very simple way for God's people to grab hold of this image, this idea that's uh, right out of God's Word. And there are there are three components to engaging, just three. It's easy to know, easy to learn. And, and, and picture in your mind's eye an equilateral triangle. The tip, the very top, is the starting point. And the tip is called perspective. Then go down the right to the bottom right-hand corner of that equilateral triangle. You get to the second P of God's Word, which is people, people. Then go Go along the base to the left, to the left-hand corner of that equilateral triangle. You get to the third P, which is place. And then you go back up to the top, and you're back to perspective. And around and around you go with this engagement triangle. And the P at the very top is perspective, which is precisely the perspective taught in 1 Peter 3.15. Honor Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be prepared to give an answer to all who ask for the hope that is within you. Do it with gentleness and respect. Then you go down to people, second P, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Paul says, For I have become all things to all men, that I may save some by all possible means. That's getting into the shoes of other people, seeing that unique person, knowing we always have something in common with anyone we talk to, any place we are. And then go across to the other side of the equilateral triangle, you get to place. And there we have the great example in God's Word, Acts chapter 17, when Paul goes into the Areopagus. And you want to talk about relating and understanding the unique environment where you are at. Paul takes note of it. He connects with the Athenians. He starts to, you know, quote their poets a couple of times. And he's getting into speaking their language and relating to them uniquely for the sake of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's the equilateral triangle. That, that's the engagement triangle. Three Ps, perspective, people, place. And then one of the things I really appreciate that you do, Alfonso, is you then um, apply that to cultural issues. And you have some conversations with um, some really interesting people who are engaging the culture um, on particular issues. Let's take a very brief break. When we come back, let's talk about that. I am talking with Dr. Alfonso Espinosa. We're talking about his new book, Faith That Engages the Culture, and we'll be right back. We need to be blessed, Lord. We need to be eager. Continuing our conversation now with, uh, with Dr. Alfonso Espinosa. We're talking about faith that engages the culture. We have talked about the three points um, on the engagement triangle, perspective, people, and place. And, um, and then you apply this, uh, this engagement triangle to the cultural issues, both within and around us. Talk, talk about what's going on here uh, in terms of not only what you talk about in the book, but what's really happening in people's lives. 
So uh, there's 12 chapters in the book, introduction, 12 chapters, conclusion. And the first half of the book, the first six chapters, I want people, I want Christians just to be able to take a deep breath, breathe easy. You don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to memorize this long, fancy, dancy outline for sharing the faith. Just get the triangle down and just get into people. Just love people and be ready to give a testimony. And that, that basic word from 1 Peter 3.15 is testifying to the truth. Uh, it's always great to quote a scripture, but l- let's say you're kind of nervous and you forget. It's okay. Just speak the truth. God loves you, <laughs> and, and he proved it by sending his son Jesus for you. But then I get to the second half of the book, which, which you're alluding to now, because over the years, uh, I have observed as a pastor for 30 years now, about 30 years this, this summer, that a lot of people say, you know, I want to share the gospel, but when it comes to certain subject matter, I just kind of melt, you know? So there are certain uh, there are certain things in the culture that can be really intimidating and are, are certainly critical issues. And so we go into these six chapters to take on, um, and it's divided into two parts, the last six chapters. The first part are cultural issues that surround us. And so here we take the engagement triangle and we apply it to the following three subject matters uh, that we are facing in the culture all the time that very oftentimes can seem like it's against the saving faith. Number one, science. Number two, politics. And number three, dehumanization, where I really get into how secularism is just attacking uh, God's standard for life. Then... The second half of that, we go into cultural issues that are within us. And there, we talk about sexuality, addiction, and then finally depression. I'm, I'm, I'm making notes um, because I want to be you know, reminded of what's, um, what's in here and all that you cover. And I'm now thinking that as people are hearing, hey, this is actually uh, going to equip me to um, engage not only my neighbors, but my family members, my friends, the next generation, people around me, um, at points where they're really hurting, they're really confused, um, where the gospel has something to say, but I don't necessarily know how the gospel engages on that topic. That's what the second half of this book is about, which is why I've waited to tell you that I have copies to give away. So now that I have whetted Bless your you. appetite, uh, if you are interested in entering the drawing for the copies of Faith That Engages the Culture that we have to give away today, go ahead and text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Again, you're going to text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Faith That Engages the Culture. Um, Alfonso, let's let's dig into one of these. Of, of, of all of these subject matter areas, science, politics, personhood, um, uh, a, a sexuality, addiction, depression. Um, let's just take one. I'll let you pick which one we take, and and talk with us about what you learned in um, in this process, and then um, and then how we are equipped as Christians with the gospel to engage on a particular issue of the day. That's fantastic. Um, thank you. All of these are near and dear to me as I've observed um, as a pastor, as a, as a Christian about what's really challenging the body of Christ. And um, I also want to say just a quick second, I love what you said about the long-term relationships in family and friends. Yes, we engage uh, maybe with the person we're uh, standing in line with to get coffee, but we especially have 
golden opportunities with those long-standing relationships. Amen to that, sister. Um, let me touch on politics simply because it's been like so much in front of us. Because it's so sexy. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right, it's so sexy, right? <laughs> and it's we're getting it constantly, right? And uh, so here I want to I, I want to share some highlights in terms of first of all, remember that God's word is truth, and the culture without God can only speak in half truths or we're just flat out deception. And and one of the one one of the deceptive ideas is that politics is just about government or just about the state. And when you talk to people, usually in the culture, they have a tendency to go in that direction. I'm talking about politics. It's all about what's happening in Washington, DC or local government. But the biblical perspective is that politics, from the word polis, which means city, is the total biblical view of the city, which is, get a load of this, three estates clearly taught in the powerful and life-giving Word of God. Hmm. If we're going to be thorough and proper, we're going to talk about the church, because the church is a big part of the politic. And we're going to talk about, number two, the family. The family is huge. It's crucial. It's fundamental for the lifeblood of the proper politic. And number three, finally, you get to the government, which God established according to Romans chapter 13. So we're bringing to the conversation a fuller view, and we're offering to the person we're talking to this fuller view for their own good. So they can benefit from the resources of the church and the resources of family to be encouraged in their family vocations and also the big picture. But remember that we understand that people get really upset about politics. And so we can take a deep breath and remember what 1 Peter 3.15 said, we are to speak to them with gentleness. So I'm going to make it like a rule in my mind and heart. I am not going to be argumentative. Because I'm going to find my common ground, like 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, and my common ground means no matter where this person's coming from, no matter their political party or their worldview, I have common ground with this person when it comes to this subject matter. Why? Because every person, well, I would say at least 99% of all people, want peace. They want mm -hmm. preservation. They want protection. You know what that means? I've got common ground with this person. The second thing that's helpful, Carmen, on this particular topic is we remind ourselves there are reasons people react the way they do when it comes to the subject matter of politics. And, and some basic motivations to help us get into their shoes and to understand some people have their positions because they're angry. They're just mad. And it's the way they cope with their anger in life is to get into the conflict and to get into the arguments of politics. It's almost serving like this this addiction. I know it sounds drastic, but there are people who lose sleep and, and get their blood pressure up when it comes to politics. And what are they showing? They have the spiritual burden upon their hearts that we should be compassionate towards. Secondly, some people can get into politics because they want power. They are, they are in a calculating way, establishing their position so as to have more control and power in life. And guess what? Everything is going to come down. Everything's turning to dust. And if you really want to have security in your life, you know, as I know, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, 
uh, people will also come from the motivation that having the right political position means I'm a good person. It's kind of my form of works righteousness to have the right position in politics because I can demonstrate that I'm a good person who deserves to be counted as being good. When we understand the motivations, now we're in a better position to dialogue with this person and to be that effective, engaging disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I so appreciate that. I appreciate how um, how clear your approach is, how simple the triangle is. Like each time that we, you know, go to set about talking about a particular issue, all right, well, then we're going to go to that top dot and we're going to say, you know, we're going to say to ourselves, what's God's perspective on this? What's the perspective that we you know, ought to have on these things based on God's view of it all. Um, you go to Scripture, you go to um, the confessions. I think it's just tremendously helpful in terms of establishing the perspective. And then, yeah, moving to the approach to the people. Um, it's just, it, it's it's very, very helpful on each and every one of these um issue areas. I think there's just a lot of us, Alfonso, who we say to ourselves, I want to engage. I want to bring the Christian worldview to bear. I want to be a good ambassador of the king and the kingdoms, of the king and the kingdom, big K, in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. But I don't really know quite how to do that. I feel like you've given us a handbook um, that we can use in terms of cultural engagement. Thank you, Carmen. It was really my vision, my prayer, because just meeting so many devout brothers and sisters in Christ who carry this burden. I, I, I want to be mm-hmm. faithful to the Lord, and I, I want to answer His call for the Great Commission. But then we go on to give, unfortunately, oftentimes in the Church, give Christians the impression that, you know, you have to go out and get a master's degree in apologetics or something. You, you've got to learn this and memorize that and have this philosophy down, this logical presentation down. And then it becomes like this image of a sales pitch, like you're telling somebody right? You're, you're, you're giving a, a lecture presentation or something. No, get it out of your head. It's also not like a platform debate. Like exactly. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't work out that way in human relationships. It just doesn't. Exactly. Yeah, right. it's way more conversational, it, and I feel like that's what you're equipping us to do. It's relational, conversational. That's exactly it. And, and I get, now I get to trust the Holy Spirit to lead me to love this person in front of me no matter what, to show them what, Christ, what makes a Christian different. When everyone else is being argumentative and getting hostile, et cetera, et cetera, we are being gentle. We are being kind. You know, we might, Amen. our flesh comes back and says, this person doesn't deserve it. What, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I don't deserve the grace of God. I got it. So I can, no. you know, I love, we love because he first loved us. So that's, that's our springboard. Yeah. Amen. Um, that is Alfonso Espinosa. You can, sh- you should follow him on Facebook, Pastor A. O-E, Pastor A-O-E. The book is Faith That Engages the Culture. If you want to enter the drawing for the copies we are giving away today, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Alfonso, what a joy. Thank you for joining us today. Carmen, what a great privilege and honor to be here. Thank you for your ministry, sister. Oh, well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. We'll be right back. All righty, you and I are going to go out into the world that God so loves, and we are going to do so as God's people who recognize that we are seen by God, that God has already poured out into our lives every spiritual resource that is necessary for the accomplishing of of His will in our lives today, that He has prepared in advance good works for us to do. 
So let's get out there and get busy doing that good work. And you say to yourself, I'm not actually leaving my house today. That's okay. There's good work for you to do. You can pray for me. You can pray for others who are listening right now. Um, You can pray for the health of the body. You can pray for the body politic. Um, On and on and on and on and on. There are all kinds of ways that you can serve today, even right there from the context of your own home, if that's where you're spending your day. And for those of you who are getting out there, marching forth into the world that God so loves, let me encourage you to be prepared, not just to give a defense defensively, like right, but to actually articulate um, the things of the faith, the hope that is in you, the joy that you have, the unassailable joy that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let the mind of Christ be operating within you today. Be preoccupied with him and the things of his kingdom advancement, no matter what your occupation is. So there you go. Be preoccupied with the things of Christ, no matter what actually occupies your time today and gets your attention. All right, give some attention to the Word of God today if you haven't been in it already. It's a good time to get into the Word of God before you get out there into the world that He so loves. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Mornings with Carmen. You can grab the podcast and share it with somebody else at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.